Welcome to the Purpose City Church Podcast, where we're dedicated to guiding you on a journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're thrilled to have you here, and regardless of where you're tuning in from, we have faith that this message will be a direct source of inspiration in your life. We are at the final week, the conclusion of our Royalty Checks series. All since the year turned over, the Lord has been instructing us on how to use his word to handle his money. If you missed any of the teachings, you got to go back to our YouTube channel. Just type in Purpose City Church and catch up because this is imperative for the direction that your year is about to go. He told us to start this way for a reason. He's trying to prepare you. He's trying to not take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. But it's imperative that you do the work necessary to align your finances with the word of God. And so to conclude, we're going to take a look at the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, the sixth chapter. And we're going to start at verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. I'll be reading from the NLT and it starts like this. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, There the desires of your heart will be also. I'm going to read that 21st verse one more time. Turn to your neighbor and say, wherever your heart is, there, excuse me, let's do it again. I messed up, remix. Turn to your other neighbor because now they're judging you. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Today I'll be talking to you from the text subject, I think I'm having a heart attack. I think, I think I'm having a heart attack. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come to your word and find truth. That we can come to your word and our lives be transformed. Father, we ask that everything that you communicate to us today, we receive with an open heart and an open mind and a willingness to live it out. Help us to do all of the above. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think having a heart attack I'm, a, I'm an 80s baby and um, in the 80s I still lived in Chicago 7251 South Shore Drive apartment 17M and not only did me and my my parents lived there but I actually had three uncles that lived in the same building which was a good thing because both my parents were working outside the home at that time, so quite often my uncles would help 
when it came time to grab me from school until they got home. And so, in particular, I spent a lot of time with my Uncle Fred. I'd be in his apartment until my parents got home, and he used to watch all these TV shows. And they're, still, they're still in my spirit to this day. Shows like Welcome Back, Cotter. Come on, what y'all know about Welcome Back, Cotter? Anybody heard of Barney Miller? Barney Miller. That's good, that's good, that's good. But my favorite, one of my favorite, at this point, it was a rerun because it actually came out in the 70s. One of my favorite shows, Sanford and Son. I loved Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son is about a father and son duo, Fred Sanford, Lamont Sanford. And Fred, he had a little junk business. But the thing about Fred, he was always trying to come up. He always had these schemes to get rich, and they never worked and drove Lamont crazy because he was always trying to keep his pop on the straight and narrow. And sometimes Lamont would get so frustrated that he would threaten, you know, Pop, I'm out of here. I'm going to do my own thing, live on my own. And Fred was a widow because Lamont's mom, his wife, had passed about 20 years ago. So the thought that his son would now leave, every time that situation would come up, he would, he would say, oh, this is the big one. I'm coming to join you, Elizabeth. <laughs> he would always fake as though he was having a heart attack. And that would always get Lamont to stay because he didn't want to abandon his father. Heart attacks are interesting. Um, they're quite prevalent. I mean, research says that every single year, over 800,000 people experience one. That's a lot of people. That's just America. And of those 800,000, 600,000 are first-time heart attacks. Then if you, if, you, if you drill down even further, the research says that somebody in our country has a heart attack every 40 seconds. So not only is it far-reaching, but it's also frequent. Then if you drill down a little bit more, Research says that one in every five heart attacks is silent, meaning that the person doesn't even know. The damage is done, but they have no idea that the damage has, in fact, been done because the heart has valuable real estate in our body. It's the way God created us. Attacks of the heart have negative ramifications for every other part of our body. That's why this is so dangerous and so concerning. But I think the same way that God created us physically with this heart, invaluable real estate, and how it's attached to so many other things that we do physically, I think the same is true spiritually. And our spirit man 
in our spiritual walk, our hearts are valuable real estate because they impact the rest of us and our spiritual man as well. It's so valuable that God put his most valuable assets in your heart spiritually. One of those valuable assets is his wisdom. The Bible teaches us that he places wisdom in our hearts. In Proverbs 2 and 10, it says, wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So he doesn't hide wisdom in your brain. I know you smart and you deep, but God's wisdom isn't found in your brain. It takes up residence in your heart because your heart is valuable real estate. Not only does he hide his wisdom there, but he places his word in your heart as well. He talks about this in Psalms 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart. This is David praying to God that I might not sin against you. You don't place his word in your brain. I know you're reading and you're memorizing and you're trying to hold on to it, but it really takes up and sticks and has endurance when that word in his Bible takes up residence in your heart, you'll find yourself in conversations with people, and all of a sudden, a scripture comes to mind, but it's not this mind. It's your heart, because it's valuable real estate. And we've been talking about money all this time, but it won't matter if you got a bad heart. You can employ strategy. You may be even growing your discipline. But if your heart is bad, it won't have any kingdom significance. You'll just be another wealthy sinner. And we got plenty of those. What the Lord is looking for is to place his wealth inside the hands of his sons. And inside the hands of his daughters. So he doesn't just want you to have head knowledge. He doesn't just want you to have strategies for your hands to employ. He wants you to make these moves, these decisions with a pure heart. So not only does he place wisdom in your heart, not only does he encourage you to hide your, his word in your heart, but the most important, the most important tenet here in your heart is his very presence. He resides in your heart. We find this in Ephesians from the Apostle Paul. Christ may that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, his encouragement for us is to not do anything apart from having enough faith that allows for the presence of God to be in us and to help us 
to be in us and to lead us, guide us into the ways that he has for us. So it's not good enough for you to just create a budget if you're creating that budget apart from him. It's not good enough for you to set up automatic giving to this house if you're doing it out of repetition, if you're doing it out of religion instead of doing it out of relationship. Because your heart matters. When it comes to biblical stewardship, when it comes to kingdom wealth, just like in every other aspect of the kingdom, God doesn't look on the outside. The word of God tells us that he looks at the intentions of your heart. This was a game changer for me because I was struggling for so long, so broke that I couldn't pay attention, struggling from paycheck to paycheck, even though I had a paycheck. I would get a raise and the struggle would continue. Why? Because there was so much in me that needed to change. Yeah, my mindset Definitely needed to change. Absolutely, my behavior needed to shift. But first and foremost, my heart needed to be purified. Because here's the thing, man, my parents ain't buy me nothing. I mean, they bought me stuff. Wasn't the stuff I wanted. And so I just determined in my mind that once I got out the house and got my own money, I'm going to buy the stuff. Because stuff means I made it. Stuff means I'm important. Stuff makes me accepted. That's why I got to pull up to the stoplight shining on rims with the wax glistening so the stranger on my left and the stranger on my right can see me shining. They're not putting nothing on these bills. But for those three seconds at the stoplight, they saw me shining. And why would that be important? Because my heart wasn't pure. No, I wasn't trying to get my finances in order to be in position to be a blessing to others. I was trying to be a blessing to me and me alone because that's what was in my heart. How to get there, the world we live in. I don't know where you're from. I don't know how you came up. Where I'm from, where I came up, there was one symbol that told us that you made it. It's what you drove. If you pulled up on a nice Cadillac on Vogue's, that's a tire that has yellow and white circle on it, Vogue's. And if you happen to have some rims, Maybe some 18s back then. I know we on 26s and all that now. But back then, if you had some 18s, 
some dubs. That's 20-inch rims. You made it. Now, your account might be in the red. Mm -hmm. You might have no savings. You don't even know what an investment is, but you got a car? Oh, you made it. And what was that doing? That was creating a worldview of money. And before we had cars to look at, we had clothes to judge. And that's why some of y'all are broke making your kids look rich and y'all ain't. Because you didn't get the joys, your kids got 10. Because you don't want them to experience what you experience socially by not having. But again, it's in your heart that's driving these decisions. And because your heart isn't aligned with God's view of money, the struggle continues despite your raise. Despite you getting the job that you pray for, got it, the struggle continues. You pray, Lord, I'm ready to do my own thing, start my own company. You took the leap of faith, the business doing good, but you ain't. Why? Your heart ain't where it's supposed to be. So it's only going to go so far. You can accumulate, but you find no satisfaction. The satisfaction takes place in your heart. And if it's not lined up with his word, you still fulfill. You still feel unfulfilled. We got to switch what's going on hearts. And this is what Jesus was attempting to do because one thing that he knows The heart is where our priorities flow from. We make priorities, rank them, check them off based on the contents of our heart. That's why for some of us, when we sit down every month and we do our bills, the church gets the leftovers. And for others... When we sit down and we pay our bills, church has the number one spot. It's only because of the contents of our heart. It's not hard for me to tithe. It's not hard for me to give offerings. In fact, my wife and I rather enjoy it because we've seen the faithfulness of God. We didn't start tithing, begin giving offerings when things were all good. We started when things were decent. We continued when things got real bad. And we increased it once we got to the other side. Because we enjoy giving. Quick, 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 quick heart check. When there's an opportunity to give, what does it feel like on the inside for you? Is there like this pleasant feeling? Or is this 
dread or maybe this suspicion about these opportunities. You can ask my wife when I'm not around. She's never said to me, she she did it last night. She said, hey, I want to sow here. Ask her if I've ever said no. Yeah, cool, awesome. Because I know no kingdom seed is wasted. I've never sown and something not sprout. Hear me, don't, be, don't, 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 don't fall into bad doctrine. Just because you sow something doesn't mean that it's going to show up in your bank account the next day. You don't have to sow a seed of $2,024 to receive your breakthrough. It's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that God's principles work whether you feel like doing it or not. They're still in operation. Whether you say, I don't know about, okay, that's fine. But somebody somewhere is reaping because they sowed. And you and your question mark are going to stay questioning. And your situation is going to stay questionable. While you're trying to be deep. It's not a brain thing. It's an issue of our hearts. And so that's why Jesus, in the book of Matthew, in the sixth chapter that we read, taught this principle to his disciples, and he's teaching it to us. See, these three verses that we read are a small portion of the greatest sermon ever preached. And it's the greatest sermon ever preached Because the greatest preacher that ever lived preached it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7 are that sermon. And at this particular juncture in the sermon, he's focusing on money and possessions. Now, the the crowd is mixed. You got a lot of people there. They're impoverished. But you also have Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, you know how the spies do. They're in the crowd too. They don't really like Jesus. But they see all these people following Jesus. Say, let me check out. Let me check out what they got going over there purposely. I mean, let the let me let me check out. Let me check out what Jesus is talking about on this mount. And so. He's saying it in the context of people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. But in this time, it's deep, y'all. In this time, people believe that if you have wealth, it's akin to the blessings of God on your life. So there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mentality developing and a heart posture forming that I have to pursue the accumulation of things because once I get those things, that must mean that God is with me. Dangerous. But I wonder how many people think that way now in 2024. I wonder how many people that came from nothing, or maybe you came from something and you experienced 
some challenges yourself, but if I could just get a raise, if I could just get the business up, if I could just get this debt out the way, does my heart say I will have arrived? Does my heart say that will demonstrate the blessing of God? The answer is no. No. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. He's warning against accumulating wealth and possessions. Hear me for the wrong reason. This is not a scripture to forsake your financial stewardship responsibilities because we've given you too many scriptures that tell you what to do for this to tell you not to do it. The Bible does not contradict itself. What Jesus is telling us is that we have to have our priorities straight. Our why has to be pure. Why do you want to get out of debt? Why do you want investments and savings? Why do you want your better credit score? Is it about you? Or is it about what the Lord can then get through you to his kingdom? It's a hard issue. You can go to work with a different energy when you know that you are doing it for the right reasons. Because the Bible does say that a man that does not provide for his household is worse than an unbeliever. So you're supposed to go to work and work hard and represent the kingdom, but you show up with a different energy when you know that you're there representing him. You're there earning a paycheck not just to get to the next one, but to position yourself to be a vessel for the work of the Lord. When your heart changes, so does your outlook. That's what happens. You're not just focused on, I need money to get. I know, I know this is tough. But I'm trying to shore things up so that I can be in a position to be generous. Feels different. It's a different energy. He knew that people love money so much that he warned them. He told them firmly, do not be so focused on storing up treasures on this earth because you can't take it with you. Now, how can he say this and then tell us to leave an inheritance for our children's children at the same time? Because he's trying to speak to your priorities. He's trying to speak to your heart posture. He's trying to clean you up by reorienting the priorities behind the why that you're doing this for. And so he gives an alternative. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. He wants you to adapt a heart for the kingdom. He wants you to 
adapt our heart for the things that concern him. He doesn't want you to only make you the priority. He doesn't mind you being on the list. Just stop making yourself number one. Because that's not a kingdom mindset. Remember, he got up off of a throne. Up in perfection, in heaven. To give himself for you. And your neighbor. And he wants you to have a kingdom mindset and a kingdom heart posture that reflects that position. I'm going to make myself in the position to be a blessing to my household and to someone else's. Because that's a kingdom heart posture. He reminds us about our hearts again in verse 21, wherever your treasure. You see, we hear treasure, we automatically think dollars. Treasures are the contents of your heart, the things you value. For some, that's attention. Nobody gave you any as a kid. And so your financial decisions reflect the content of your heart and the pursuit of the attention that you did not get. You want love. Nobody loved you the right way. And so you try to get things because you think things may attract love. And it will, but not the pure kind. The frivolous kind is what it will attract because it's based on the thing. You're going to take your impure heart and link up with somebody else's impure heart and create a disaster because the contents of your heart matter. Not only, not only are the contents of our heart where we get our priorities from, but the, the contents of our heart also impact our ability to produce. It's where production happens. Hard work and laziness come out of your heart. Because your heart, your heart is where your ability to produce comes from. A couple weeks ago, um, I was in Memphis, and I got to hang out with Martha Munizzi. It was so cool. Her husband and two of her kids were there. And we got to hang out because her music meant so much to me, especially early on in my, in, my, in my walk with Jesus. And I got to tell her that. Now, to be honest, this picture right here has nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted y'all to know that I met Martha Munizzi. Y'all see it. But seriously, not too long after this picture was taken, 
another pastor was talking to us, and he shared this story about one of the members of his church who had just had triplets. But she had, her and her husband had the triplets via a surrogate. And so it's a big deal because it's not often that a surrogate produces triplets. And so he told the story of the reason that they had to go this route because they could not have children on their own. The reason that they could not have children on their own was because at one point she was a missionary overseas. And on her last missionary trip, she contracted a virus. And she survived, obviously, but the virus got into one of the chambers of her heart and come to find out that one of the chambers of our heart is in charge of reproduction. So because of the damage to that chamber, she lost her ability to reproduce because the contents of our heart affect our ability to produce. And a lot of you are feeling unproductive because there's a virus in your heart. So you're doing stuff. Reading books. You're looking up investment options. You're creating budgets, talking about goals but it won't produce anything if there's a virus in your heart. And the real reason that you go and you work hard, you get up early, you get the kids together, you get on the, on the road, you experience rush hour, you deal with the people at work, you come home and then you do it all over again, and yet from week to week you come in here drained, empty, and unfulfilled. Maybe... Maybe it's not a money issue. Maybe, maybe a virus snuck into your heart. Maybe there's a little materialism that's crept in your heart. Maybe there's a little pride that snuck into that chamber of your heart. It caused you to lose your ability to reproduce, you get the you get the W two every year. Like what? I made what? Then you you put that down. You look at your bank account. And you say, where is it? You've lost your ability to reproduce, and maybe it's tied to the state of your heart. Proverbs four and twenty three reinforces this principle. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do, the way you spend your money, the way that you view your money, the priorities that you make about your money, everything you do flows from it. If your heart's wrong, your decisions are wrong. 
If your heart's wrong, your priorities are wrong. If your heart's wrong, your ambitions are wrong. Even if they're mathematically right, they're spiritually wrong. And you no longer have the ability to reproduce the way that matters because you'll be stuck storing up treasures on earth that rot instead of storing up treasures in heaven that do not. So how do we apply these truths to our lives? I think one way is that you can evaluate your spending habits. You can see what your heart is doing by looking at where your money is going. I know you don't want to. I know. Because you're going to look and you're going to see a mirror. Transaction after transaction is going to paint a story of the contents of your heart. The priorities of your heart. But you should, you should evaluate your spending habits. Are you living simply? Are you giving generously? Are you spending excessively on non-essential items? Does buying stuff outweigh your generosity? I'm not talking about paying your bills. So you you, you got to have somewhere to live. You got to have food to eat. You got to have clothes to wear. It ain't got to be Gucci. What's going on in your heart when it comes to the decisions you make about where and how you spend your money? It's going to tell the truth about you. It's going to tell the truth about what's going on inside of your heart. Number two, examine your heart's desires. What do you think about most when it comes to this dollar-dollar bills, y'all? Like, what comes to mind? I appreciate this royalty checks. Pastor, I'm about to get my money together. Why? Why? That's what I'm most concerned about is your why. I've been teaching people money for a decade. That, that's easy. I'm most concerned about why. I'm not here to teach you how to store up treasures on earth that rot. We're trying to posture you to know how to store up treasures in heaven. Yes, it requires you to have some better decisions with how you interact with your money, but the, the goal is not so the parking lot can be filled with Mercedes, Benzes. It's not our goal. Our goal is to be impactful around the world and locally. What's your why? Why do you want your money right? What you should do, can you hear me for one second, is ask God to direct those desires. Pastor Ty talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Don't pray for the discipline. Pray for the desire. Lord, my heart ain't where it needs to be, man. I just wanted the cheddar. I just wanted the cheese. I don't know why we call money so diff different forms of cheese. I don't know. I want the queso. 
I'm tired of struggling. And that's valid. That's valid. But make sure that you're doing it for the right reason. So that, Lord, I can be in position to be a vessel used by you. That's what he's going to answer to. So after you evaluate your spending habits and after you examine your heart's desires, invest financially in God's kingdom. Y'all hear that holy hush sweep across the sanctuary? I know what I'm talking about. The best investment you can make is not in the S&P 500, NASDAQ. It's in the kingdom of God. I said it before, I'll say it again, I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. You need God in your money. You need his principles to flow through your finances. You need to be in alignment with what his word says. The best investment you can make is into the kingdom of God. Shout out to everybody who's taken that challenge that we gave week one, 90 days, tithe, no questions asked. If nothing happens, if you don't experience the Lord, principle and action, then stop after that. Because he said in his word, test me in this. So you can test him. It's not heretical. He told you to test him in this. But invest. Stop coming to church and tipping God. You evaluate the meal that you were given, and then you decide what type of tip you're going to leave. This is the only place you do that in, though. You ain't got no problem giving Chick-fil-A your money because you value the food you ate. Take my money. You got no problem going to Starbucks, giving them your money. You can't wait to give it to them. Hey, I could use a strawberry lemonade. <laughs> Hold the ice, a little bit of ice. The next thing you should do is use your time, gifts, and skills for eternal impact. I'm trying to help you. I hope you're paying attention. I hope you're taking notes. Don't come ask me in, in the hallway. So, Pastor, listen, I'm trying to figure it out. Go watch the series. <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm going to say. But you should use your time, gifts, and skills for eternal impact. How many of us come to church, do nothing, and go home? That's a lot, a lot. I'll answer it for you. You're not without opportunity to use your gifts, talents, and skills for eternal impact. You're just choosing not to. Why? Because of what's in your heart. <clears throat> the kingdom's not a priority to you. You're a priority to you. Wait, the, you know the game? You know the, the bears suck anyway. What game are you getting ready to watch? The bulls are terrible. What are you getting ready to watch? That's like the worst excuse ever. It's not about you, though. Seriously, it's not about you. That's a treasure being stored up on earth. When you serve, you're storing up treasures in heaven. One of the announcements was that we're going to go 
help feed hungry children by packing bags and boxes of food. That don't cost you no money. All you have to do is show up and put food in bags and boxes. But y'all heard that you was on Facebook like, mm-hmm, be somebody else. Mm, look at what they said. You're not even hearing opportunities to have an impact in the kingdom. You know why? Because your ears are clogged with your own selfish ambitions. You won't use your gifts. Some of y'all are musicians, got your instrument tucked in your back pocket. Some of y'all are singers, keeping your mouth closed. Some of you got the gifts of helps, won't go out there and say hi to nobody. Because it ain't about the kingdom, it's about you. You just come to eat, tip, and leave. We'll move on. I know y'all tired of me. <clears throat> this is it. This is the last one in the band and the singers can come. So number one was that you evaluate your spending habits. Number two is that you examine your heart's desires. Number three is that you invest financially in God's kingdom. Number four is you use your time, gifts, and skills for eternal impact by serving. Number five is share generously with those in need. Share generously with those in need. There's no better feeling. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It's not, it's not a better feeling when we became debt free. It's not a better feel, feeling when we crossed over seven-figure net worth. No, no. None of that compares to the feeling that we feel when we meet the need of someone else. I promise you I'm not making it up. Nothing feels better my heart than being generous. And 10 times out of 10, when we are meeting the needs of someone else, we tell them, don't tell nobody because it's not about us. We never want the credit. We always want God to get the glory. What is that? That's a heart posture. And because we aligned our hearts with the heartbeat of God concerning our finances, he rearranged everything for us. Now we can buy whatever we want to buy, but we don't. There was a time that I wanted to get the money to buy whatever I wanted to buy. And now I can and I don't because God rearranged the priorities of my heart when I submit it to his process. And it's the reason we have what we have. Because we have decided to be in position to be a vessel for his kingdom at the drop of a hat. What about you? Where's your heart when it comes to this money thing? To be honest, it's hard to look at social media and not aspire to accumulate for the sake of looking important. Just being honest, it's hard. It's difficult. Sometimes it's not even online. Sometimes it's our friend groups. 
we start measuring where they are versus where we are, it's hard. We start messing with our heart and our priorities. Sometimes it's not our friend group. Sometimes it's the family we're in. It's hard. It's an attack on our heart. Remember, one in five heart attacks are silent, meaning that the damage is done and the person doesn't even know it took place. The same is true in the spirit. Sometimes that materialism gets in there and we didn't even know we just had a heart attack. Because it's everywhere. The temptation's everywhere. Sometimes that pride gets in our heart, gives us a heart attack. We don't even know that the damage is done. But it shows up in how we use our money. So my admonition to you today, be careful. Watch out. You might be having a heart attack. But his word gives us the remedy. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they could rot. Thieves can break in and steal. Instead, store up treasures in heaven where they don't rot. But these cannot break in and steal it. For wherever his treasure is, there his heart will be also. Where's your heart? In this moment, you should talk to God about your heart. Put the calculator and the spreadsheets down for a second. Bring him your heart. Could there have been a heart attack that took place? Well, guess what? He's a healer. Even if the damage has been done, he can undo it. If you give him your heart, say, Lord, I think I'm having a heart attack. Can you heal this heart of mine? Purify this heart of mine. Align this heart of mine for your kingdom, for your glory. Thank you for being part of today's episode. To stay connected, please visit us at PurposeCityChurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your loved ones. Your support means the world to us. As you go about your day, remember to make a meaningful difference in the world. Thanks for listening.